God doesn't fail us. They're new every morning. Every day we wake up and we face a new day with Jesus Christ. Because great is his faithfulness. Will you stand as we sing hymn number 54, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let us pray. Father, as we gather here in your presence, already we can sense that you're with us. We know that you're honored when two or three are gathered and you love to hear our praises and you rejoice over us when we worship. So, Father, let all pretense, all facades be dropped. And as we come, speak to us, open our hearts as we praise you and as we worship and as we listen for your word to us. Let us hear your word for us, not the person sitting next to us or behind us or in front of us. 
but your word to us. Lord, speak to us and draw us closer. We love you, and we're here now because you created us, you redeemed us, and you've given us the privilege of a relationship with you. We honor that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated as you are. This is um, the season of state missions. And so there is a video uh, that some of your state missions funds help support that we're going to see now. As a royal ambassador, I will do my best to become a well-informed, responsible follower of Christ, to have a Christ-like concern for all people, to learn how to carry the message of Christ around the world, to work with others in sharing Christ, to keep myself clean and healthy in mind and body. Camp Kalea was supported through program giving. Every year, hundreds of boys respond to faith in Christ Jesus or through commitments to Christ or through surrendering to full-time ministry. They learn to work as a team to get through an obstacle. They actually get in a canoe and, and they'll, uh, they do bridge jumping. They have battle ball and all kind of other adventure recreation games, archery. They climb the rock climbing tower and repelling side of that wall. And our Royal Ambassador program is to teach the boys campcraft skills, to teach the boys mission skills, to teach them scripture memory. You see uh, these boys growing in Christ and you see them using disciplines and they grow. Belly flop's been going on in Kalea for years. Every Friday we belly flop. Campers, crusaders, Dak boys, and older challengers, and then of course my staff, they all belly flop. Well, Hook is preparing to do his belly flop and he's our program coordinator. And the staff are now, they're singing their pirate song from Pirates of the Caribbean 3. And now they're waving that pirate flag, and we think you see a tremendous flop from Captain Hook. <laughs> many of these boys, they come back year after year after year. I have many campers who come 12 straight summers, and now they come on board as staffers here at Kaleo. And man, they, they're passionate about ministering to boys. And so it's a great life-changing experience. It, it helps them become a, a better man. I am the former camp counselor known as Hook. I spent 10 years total at Camp Kaleo, uh, seven years as a camper and three years as a counselor. It was the camp that I learned I mean, everything from how to tie knots to how to steer a canoe, and also about learning God, about God himself, and learning to love him for who he is. And you look at what Kaleo means, and it's all about calling. And we talk about hearing God's calling, but it was at camp that I found God's calling in my life. My wife and I now work and live in Central Asia, in an area that is 0.016% Christian. The majority of people follow Islam. We uh, work with students here. I would not be who I am today, and I would not be where I am today without Georgia Baptist. 
but without those gifts, Kalea would not exist. And we want boys to experience God's call upon their lives as they experience God here at Camp Kalea. We'd like to welcome you all this morning, and we want to especially welcome you if you're visiting with us today. And what we're going to ask you to do if you're our guest is uh, in the bulletin, you see a little flap, and we'd like for you to remove that. Actually, we want everyone to do not just the guests, everyone to remove that flap, and uh, you can do that just by kind of pulling it off, trying to do a little better job than I did. And then uh, write your name, and uh, if you have a prayer request, if you'll put that on the flap too. And when the offering uh, plate comes around, if you'll just leave that in there, That'd be very helpful. Now we're going to take an opportunity to greet you. If you are a guest, we'd ask you to uh, just remain seated for just a moment so that our uh, First Baptist family can find you and uh, welcome you. So we're going to stand. We're going to sing a little welcome chorus. And while we're doing that, y'all greet each other. and girls, how are you this morning? Where can I sit? Let me get right here between you. Slide up just a little bit. I don't want to step on anybody. It'd be, a, it'd be kind of sad if I squished somebody in church, wouldn't it? That wouldn't work out good. Hey, how are you doing? It's good to see y'all, everybody. Were you in Sunday school? It's fun, isn't it? It's good to be in Sunday school, and we're glad you're in church. And uh, I think Anna Lupo, no? Who has the bag, Miss Sabina? <laughs> Macy, Macy, okay. I looked at the wrong name. Allie Ewing, no? Macy Hand has it. They swapped out. They swapped out, okay. Macy, let me see. Feels like a stick. Macy, what do you have? It's a bat. Oh, there's something else in here. It's a picture. Okay, it's a bat. John 3.16, Team Impact, with everybody's name on it, and then some strong men appearing live. 
Where, when did you go, Macy? Maybe going today. It's a bunch of men, and they're at Northside Baptist Church appearing live, and they're very strong. A lot of them are like weightlifters. I remember we had the power team in Tifton years ago, and they came, and they're very strong men, and they did feats of strength on breaking concrete blocks and breaking boards and those kinds of things. <clears throat> and then they talked about how much they loved the Lord. John three sixteen, team impact. Then has all the men that signed the bat for Macy. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. So you know that verse? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's such an important verse, boys and girls, because it tells us that God's love is so great he gave us his only son so that we, if we believe in him, we can have everlasting life. And Macy, I'm sure, went last night and saw those strong men break all those blocks and boards. And I remember one man, when I saw um, the power team, ripped a telephone book in half. He did that too last night? <clears throat> yeah. He broke a bat too? Feats of strength, and yet they offer themselves to serve the Lord. And that's what we want to do, boys and girls, is give what God's given us to love and serve the Lord, too, with the gifts that he's given us. So let's pray and ask God to use us to tell others about him. And you pray after me. Dear God, thank you for loving us and for giving us different gifts. Help us use them to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Macy, here's your bat and pictures of the power team. <clears throat> and uh, boys and girls, I hope you use the gifts that God gives you to tell others the good news about him. So, Miss Sabina, it's a boy's turn. Max, will you take the bag home and bring back something next week? Here's the bag, buddy. Bring back something special next week. Thank you, boys and girls. You can go to Miss Sabina to children's worship. I want to say a special heartfelt thank you for all of the prayers, the cards, the emails, the, the texts, the calls, you name it, and what has happened with Mama. Um, just an update, Mama went to the doctor Thursday, said her hand was healing. Um, we're glad of that, but we ask you to please continue to remember Mama. Um, when something like this happens, it, it can just... The enemy just tries to use anything he can just to wreck our lives. But you know what? God tells us as his children that he did not give us a spirit that makes us a, a slave again to fear. But he gives us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And I couldn't think of a better song to pick this morning than he leadeth me. Because regardless of whatever happens to us, wherever we are, whatever we go through, 
God's hand is over us, protecting us. Even if we die, as Christians, if we die, we're immediately taken up into Christ's presence. Isn't that wonderful? So, he leadeth me. He leadeth me, oh, blessed thought, oh, words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes when Eden's bowers bloom, by water still or troubled sea, still tis his hand that leadeth me. me. 
appropriate song to follow now. It is well with my soul. Will you stand and be sing?
Good morning. Will you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, as we're here this morning, just sitting at your feet, we come to you with thanksgiving, knowing that all that we are and all that we have is a gift from you. We're grateful for your constant presence in our lives. It is with faith that we offer our time, our talent, and our possessions to you. Help us to use your gifts that you have given us and to use them wisely. Teach us to share them generously and to reach out to others in our community and around the world. And most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you with a grateful heart for the gift of Jesus that you so generously and lovingly gave to us. Please receive our tithes and our offerings and let each one bear some part in the advancement in your kingdom. Father, bless the gift and the giver now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
hope you listen to those words because they are powerful. We want lives of ease, but what if those tears and trials are the blessings that God uses to grow us and to shape us and to mold us into the image of Jesus, our Lord and Savior? We're in a preaching tour of, of each book of the Bible, and we are in towards the end of Paul's letters now. This is the 12th letter of Paul out of 13, and it's the letter of Titus. And I've noticed in most of the commentaries that they have 1 Timothy, and then they have Titus, and then they have 2 Timothy, almost as if uh, in chronological order, Paul wrote Titus after 1 Timothy and before 2 Timothy. And they're very similar in nature. Paul wrote 1 and 2 Timothy to a young man whom he left behind on, in, the town of, in the city of Ephesus, to uh, pastor and to guide and to direct the churches. Titus, he leaves behind on the island of Crete to put things in proper order, to guide and direct the church. So I'm going to read from the second chapter of Titus, verses 1 through 8. The sermon is entitled, A Word to the Wise. And let me just be very clear from the outset that the wise I'm speaking to here are our senior adult men. And I'm trying to use euphemisms like mature or wise or uh, experienced, but you men know I'm talking to senior adults. And uh, you have been through a lot, you have experienced a lot, and you have a lot of wisdom to share. And that's what Paul is instructing Titus to do. 
Incidentally, I, I read a medical report that said your, bo your body's begin deteriorating at the age of 30. So if, if we're over 30, you know what I'm talking about. I'm almost there. And uh, I can just imagine the horror. But uh, senior adults, especially men, you have something to offer. And this is what I'm going to be talking about. This is what Paul instructs Titus. Chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, he's talking to Titus, teach what befits sound doctrine. Bid the older men be temperate and serious and sensible, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Bid the older women likewise to be reverent in behavior, not to be slanderers or slaves to drink. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be sensible and chaste, domestic, kind, submissive to their husbands, that the word of God may not be discredited. Likewise, urge the younger men to control themselves. Show yourself in all respects a model of good deeds, and in your teaching show integrity and gravity and sound speech that cannot be censured, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say of us. And as I was thinking about that, even in the early service this morning, sound speech, verse 8, that cannot be censured, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say of us. I remember a an older man whom I respected in my last church. And he had a lot of words of wisdom that he offered me from time to time. And in one particular difficult time of life I was going through, he said, conduct your life in such a way so that when men speak ill of you, no one will believe them. Conduct your life in such a way so that when people speak ill of you, no one will believe him. That's what Paul is saying here to Titus. Sound speech that cannot be censured so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say of us. The sermon is entitled, A Word to the Wise, and I'm talking about our senior adult men. Let's bow together. Father, as we gather now to worship, I thank you in your wisdom and providence that you have placed within this body of Christ people of every age, and walk of life, and experience, and uh, difference in expectations. And you bring us together because those who have wisdom can offer it to those who need it. And those who have experience in one area can come alongside someone who, who requires it in another. And you bring us together to, to walk along side by side, to put our arms around each other, to help us on this journey of discipleship in Christ that we're walking. So help us listen and learn. And to those who have wisdom and experience to offer, we provide for venues and opportunities for them to offer it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, the book of Titus is the 12th of Paul's 13 letters, composing almost half of the New Testament. A lot of people think that Paul's letters are in chronological order. They are not. Paul's letters are organized in the New Testament according to the longest going to the shortest. So we've got Titus, and then we've got Philemon, and that pretty well concludes it. Titus is one of the shortest. Paul is writing to Titus, who was on the island of Crete. Paul visited Crete on his uh, second missionary journey. I think he was headed to Ephesus. And just as he left Timothy behind in Ephesus to guide and direct the churches and to help them get established, 
Paul has another uh, young man that he has been mentoring, that he has been pouring himself into, named Titus. Very similar to Timothy, probably a little younger, not quite as mature as a Christian. And Titus, he leaves behind on the island of Crete. Crete is an island in the Mediterranean Sea. It reminds me a lot of Cuba compared to Florida. Crete is about 100 miles south of the Greek mainland. And on the island of Crete, Paul had established several churches. And the gospel is spreading on this island. But someone needs to put things in order because you've got to remember in the early church they had the Old Testament, but they didn't have any any real scriptures from the New Testament. They didn't know what a church was supposed to do. They didn't know how uh, doctrine was to be taught. They didn't know how administrative responsibilities were to be handed out. And so every heresy that came down the road, they were subject to. Someone would would say, I think we're supposed to believe this, and, and they would kind of venture off from the path that God had set for them. So Paul has been bringing Titus along, and he says, now I'm going to leave you behind in Crete, verse 5 of chapter 1. It says, this is why I left you in Crete, that you might amend what was defective and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And then Paul goes on to to talk about uh, the administrative roles of church leaders. Basically, in Titus, Paul is telling, telling Titus how different age groups in the church are to relate to each other. What are the, the older men and the older women supposed to do for the younger men and younger women? What examples are they to set? What are the younger men and younger women supposed to follow? How do they relate? Paul tells Titus, older men, women, mentor, guide, direct the younger men, the younger women, help them in their path as they grow in discipleship, as they grow in their relationship with Jesus. And I want to look specifically at verse 2 and focus my thoughts this morning on this one verse because it is replete with guidance for, for older men. Paul says, bid the older men be temperate, serious, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older men, this is what Paul is telling Titus that the men of Crete are supposed to do, but when he tells it to Titus, he's telling it to us also. Senior adult men, be temperate, serious, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. What in the world does this mean? Well, first of all, be, be temperate. Some translations in Verse 2 say, older men be sober. The word is nepho in your uh, worship bulletin. There's an outline. Nepho means two things. It means sober as in don't be drunk. Don't be drunk. Uh, It's always a sad thing when senior adult men find themselves turning to a pill or to a bottle to to drown their sorrows, only to discover that when that, that feeling wears away, the sorrow is still there. Getting drunk is not God's way to deal with hard times in life. It's not. God desires that you bring your problems to him, that you consult with him, that you find your wisdom and guidance from him in his word, that you trust in him and you you let him support you and sustain you and guide you through those difficult times. Not looking to a bottle or a pill to, to, to find the direction and purpose you need. But temperate, sober, also means self-controlled. Nafo also means self-controlled, balanced, temperate. In other words, senior adult men, you have seen a lot in your lifetime. 
you have been through a great deal. You have experienced a lot of what life has to offer. You have been in it for the long haul, and you know what life is all about. You've made mistakes, and you have learned from those mistakes. And it is to you that our younger men are going to turn for advice. And I, I, I'm so impressed with the younger men in this church because they are looking to you. They are asking you, what does it mean to be a Christian for a long time? What does it mean to be faithful to your wife and have a golden anniversary? What does it mean to, to hang in there through thick and thin when everybody else is falling away? And older men who are sober, daffo, balanced, self-controlled, temperate, know what advice to offer these younger men. Secondly, it says, be serious. The word is simnos. It means, it doesn't mean not to have fun. It doesn't mean, it does not mean not to, to laugh. It means serious. It means worthy of respect, worthy of honor, and it reflects a lifetime of integrity, a lifetime of character that a man has been building over time. And, and to me, character is like a wall. It's like a brick wall. And when you start laying that foundation on Jesus and then you add to it and you add uh, to it and it grows and it grows and a man who has a lifetime of integrity and character has no chinks in that wall. He has no holes in it. He has uh, nothing that will undermine its stability because he has been building it on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Let me just add something here that, that comes to mind when I'm thinking about this verse because I see this happen so often. I have seen so many good men make one mistake. Make one mistake, one moment of weakness and fall into sin. And what happens is, is even though they spend the rest of their lives trying to rebuild that trust and trying to, to, to solidify that wall, that one mistake follows them the rest of their lives. And there's nothing they can do. They can get forgiveness, but you can't undo what's been done. And so I counsel you, young men, be careful when, when you are tempted, when you're led into some temptation, you run from it just as fast as you can because that one mistake in a few seconds will affect you the rest of your lives. Simnos refers to men who have spent their lives following Christ and whose wall of character is strong and sure. And I can't help but think of lifetime deacons who have come through this church, men like John Lindsay and Bill Bowen and, and men we still have with us that we look up to like Herb Womack and H.C. Medford and Curtis Branch, men whose lives reflect a lifetime of integrity and a character that, that our younger men can look up to and emulate. My father used to tell me that it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and it can be destroyed in a few seconds. Isn't that true? A lifetime to build a reputation that can be destroyed in a matter of seconds. And I've seen families come into our church and, and they get involved and become active and then once again the, the father in a, in a moment of selfishness um, strays from the path that, that he knows God has him walk and the family disintegrates, and, and they fall away from the church, and it, everything just, just falls apart, and it's so devastating to the whole family. And, and I've talked to those men, and they wish they could go back and do things differently. 
So I counsel you just to save yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of pain and heed God's word because he gives it to you to protect you, not to be mean, but because he loves you and he wants what's best for you. And if we follow that lifetime of integrity and character, maybe it can be said of us as it was said of Stephen in Acts 6-5 when they were organizing the first deacons. It was said of Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. We have senior adult men like that in our church, and we're cultivating new generations of men like that, and they're so essential in a church because we need men like that who have the counsel and wisdom and experience to tell our younger men what it's like and and how to avoid the pitfalls and what they learn from their mistakes and how they can uh, help them in their relationship with their wives and their children, and the advice they have to give is so crucial. Men are to be sober, temperate. They're to be serious. Thirdly, they are to be sensible. The word in the Greek is sophron. It means to have good health. It means to be prudent, to be thoughtful, to be in a right mind, sensible. And and I get a good picture of this word from Luke 8, 35, where you remember when Jesus found the, the gathering demoniac and his name was Legion, for he was many. And Jesus cast the demons out of the demoniac. And it says in verse 35 of Luke 8 that the man, they found the man sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. It's the same word there as it is here, sensible, right-minded. When Jesus cast the demons out of the gathering demoniac, he was in his right mind. And, and guys, the same thing happens to us. Basically, before Jesus enters our heart and our minds, we have this, we are, we are not in our right minds. We aren't. We can't be in our right mind until the sin has been cast out and Jesus comes in because before that time we are controlled by our, our selfish ways and our sin and our worldly body and the flesh. But when Jesus comes in and casts out that sin and forgives us and cleanses us, cleanses us, then we can be in our right mind. And be sensible and do what God wants us to do. Instead of chasing after every desire, wise men will learn and practice self-discipline. That's the wisdom that comes from experience and age. Now I want to shift gears a little bit. It says sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. And that word sound in faith, sound there is an interesting word. It, the Greek word is hygieia. What word do we get from hygiea? Hygiene, exactly. It, hygiene means to be clean. It means to be healthy. It means to be pure. So what Paul is saying here, you be healthy in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Let's look at healthy in faith, hygiea in faith. As our bodies, as I mentioned, after the age 30, begin deteriorating, declining, our spiritual bodies can begin to strengthen and increase and build up. So while your physical body is going like this, I hope your spiritual body is going like this. And I got to thinking about that thing with the Family Life Center. We have a weight room in the Family Life Center where people go in and lift weights. I know because I've looked in there before. (laughs) And they're sweating and they're working and they're building their muscles. And I wave and I say, keep it up, go on by 
Now, I got to wondering what, if we had a weight room that strengthened your physical bodies, what would a spiritual weight room look like? What would be in it? What would the people in it be doing? If we had a spiritual weight room right beside the physical weight room, you know, I started imagining, I guess there would be Bibles for people reading. There would be benches for people to kneel and pray on and doing their spiritual disciplines because that's strengthening your spiritual muscles, isn't it? But what what really struck me, and I guess this song reminded me, we just did blessings. In a spiritual weight room, it wouldn't be a lot of pillows and roses and comfort. A spiritual weight room would be fraught with, with challenges and trials and difficulties and problems. And the people in there would be wrestling with those and they'd be crying out to God and they would be hanging on and they would find in the midst of those trials that God would be faithful and that his mercy would be sufficient and that he would be there with them and they would come out of that weight room with their spiritual muscles so pumped up that they would walk with the Lord and they would follow him and serve him the rest of their lives no matter what. That's what a spiritual weight room would look like. It's a place where people's muscles spiritually would be growing. And I had someone after the 830 service came up and said, you know what, in the, in the physical weight room, if you're, if you're lifting 50 pounds over and over again and you're doing a lot of repetitions, it gets easier and easier. So what do you do? You add some weight to it. If you're walking on a treadmill and it's a certain incline and, and over time it gets easier, what do you do? you add a little more degree to the incline. Or if you are doing some kind of resistance and it gets easier, you add resistance to it. We need to do that in the spiritual weight room too. Sometimes as Christians, we're growing and we get comfortable with where we are. And then God comes along and there's a difficulty. There's a little more resistance, a little more weight that's added. And when we hang on to God, and when we trust him, and when we let him guide us, and we listen to him, then our spiritual muscles are strengthened. Wise men are healthy in faith. Secondly, they're healthy in love. And what's interesting about this word is that there's a, an article in front of it in the Greek. It's healthy in the love. In the love, like Paul is speaking of a specific kind of love. What love is he talking, what the love is he talking about? He's talking about God's love. Be healthy in the love that God has for you. The word is agape. You're familiar with that. It's unconditional love. It's love that God gives you without having to do anything to earn it. And it occurs to me that this kind of love, senior adult men, is the kind that you exhibit when you're walking hand in hand with your wife, when you're putting your children and grandchildren on your knee and wrapping your arms around them and telling them stories about your childhood and what it was like to grow up and offering them little words of wisdom that they would heed one day. Men, our younger men, are looking at you because love is not something that you learn in a book or you hear in a lecture. Love is something that's called, it's not taught. It's something that, that you observe in the lives of others. And our younger men are watching you guys 
to see how you relate to your wives and how you care for them and, and how you relate to your, your family around you and your parents and your children and your grandchildren because one day they're going to emulate that. They're going to model that after you. And that's what Paul says, be healthy in the love because our younger men will catch it. Thirdly, be healthy in steadfastness. The word is hupomone, and it's a, it's a compound word. Hupo means under, mone means to abide. So it's to abide under, be healthy, abiding under. What's, what's Paul saying? Um, it means when you are abiding under difficulties, you persevere. The word means patience, steadfastness, fortitude, perseverance. Be healthy in steadfastness. And it it refers to the man who remains faithful to the task even under difficult circumstances. Abiding under difficult circumstances. And I want you to picture a man who is standing firm. He's steadfast. He's hanging on to the Lord. And and everyone else around him might be throwing in the towel and, and running away. But this man is standing firm and he's hanging on to God with both hands and he's going to persevere and he's going to endure and he's going to show fortitude because he knows the God he believes in is going to be faithful and he's going to trust him no matter what. Men, your testimony is going to matter the most when you are going through difficult circumstances. That's what young men are going to be watching. It's not when you're lying in beds of ease. It's when things are tough, when, when obstacles come, when difficulties arise, when there is a, a sickness, when there's a death, when there is a challenge, when there's a problem. And when our younger men see you wrestle with that and handle it and deal with it and come through with flags waving, shining in faith, they're going to learn what it means to be a man of God and to trust him and follow him no matter what. It just so happens that coincidentally, and this is not why I wrote this sermon, it just happened. Uh, This Friday, we have a group of men going on a retreat to North Georgia. They've been doing this for for several years now. I I went last year. And uh, what is amazing is that there are men ages from 25 to about 80 going on this retreat. They're leaving Friday. They're coming back Sunday afternoon. And they talk, about, they talk about everything. They talk about what it means to be a man of God, what it means to be a, a Christian husband and father and grandfather. And, they, and let me tell you, they do talk about everything, things that make me squirm. They, they put out there and they talk about and they just drop all the, all the facades, all the posings, and they say, let's get real. And they do. And, and what's, really, what's really wonderful is that these young men are looking to these older men because they want to hear wisdom. They want to hear counsel. They want to hear advice and experience from somebody who's been there and done that and gone through it and overcome it. And when they come back Sunday afternoon, they will impact our church and our families and our community for years to come. Incidentally, it's not too late. If you want to go on this retreat, John tells me they have places. If money's an issue, they have scholarships available. And uh, I would encourage you, if you want to talk about struggles that you're having or you have some advice to offer, 
to contact us and think about doing that, leaving Friday and coming back Sunday afternoon. You will come back, and it will change everything about how you relate to the Lord and how you relate to your family. And that's just one thing our church does to to put these words of Paul into practice from Titus 2. Two, bid the older men be temperate, serious, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. Paul is saying, stand firm in the faith. Titus, guide those churches in Crete to do that. Tell the older men to, to take hold and not let the younger men pull them off in different directions. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren need you. Hang on to God and be faithful to him. Your church needs you. And younger men are watching and listening and learning what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. They want to hear from somebody who's been doing it for a while and who has wisdom to offer. You senior adult men are the wise ones among us. Offer your wisdom so our young men can learn. We need you. Hang in there. Younger men, put your roots down deep. One day this church is going to be looking to you to offer that same counsel. Shall we bow together? Father, as we come, in your wisdom, you have have provided us with everything we need. Young men to grow and learn, older men who have wisdom to offer. And you brought them together on Thursdays, uh, luncheons, on these retreats, when they usher, when, when they do all kinds of different things, just to, to be together and to find out what is it like to go through this and, and hang on to the faith? What's it like to, to face this challenge and still have hope? You've provided all that that we need. So pour that wisdom out. Father, I pray for our our women and young women, too, that they would do the same. And that counsel and opportunities for advice and mentoring would take place in the hallways, in the car, on the telephone, through emails. And our young women would look up and learn and listen what it means to to love and serve and follow Jesus throughout life. Protect our young women, men and women from errors that would get them off the right path and help us as a church to love and to learn and to grow together. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our invitational hymn this morning is number 317, Only Trust Him. Only trust him. Todd Robertson joined our church by letter in our early service this morning. Our doors of fellowship remain open. If you have a decision to make public, accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior and sharing that publicly, rededicating your life, joining this church, whatever God leads you, you come as we stand together and sing 317. I'll be at the front. Please come.
making a decision public this morning. As we're doing so, let me remind you, um, committee night tonight at 5.30 here in the sanctuary, our committees which provide the structure of our church. Our church is led by committees. We see that as a way that God embodies and empowers the, the body of Christ uh, to, to serve the different ministries and missions of our church. And those committees, you've got that nominating committee report a few weeks ago. We'll be meeting here in the sanctuary about 5.30, organizing, getting ready for the work of the coming year. So if you're serving on one of those committees, I hope you can be here and participate in that. Will you join with me now in welcoming Daniel Fowler? Daniel, come and stand with me. He comes today saying he wants to unite with our church by baptism, coming from another denomination. He's ready today to, to make that step, feels God's leadership in it, and uh, desires to be a part of this, this family of faith. And Brooke Sperlin, Brooke, come and stand with me. Brooke also went last night, um, I think, to the, was it called the Team Impact? And uh, that last night had that opportunity to invite Jesus into her heart and made a profession of faith and comes today saying she's ready to join the church and be baptized as a testimony to the fact that Jesus is in her heart now and he's living there and has forgiven of her sins. So if you...